Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and back with me here is my co-host Drew Silva. Here we are, just uh, four short days from an arbitrary deadline that MLB set for the 2022 season to start on time and there's little indication that a deal will be made by then. Uh, However, even with all that uncertainty, we are pushing ahead with our position preview series on this show. Call us optimists or crazy or just thirsty for content. I think we're. I think it's the number three option there. Uh, but here we are, and we are ready to break down some players. We think also this is going to be mostly evergreen. There will be some player movement whenever the season actually starts. Uh, but for the most part, I think we have a pretty good idea uh, where these players are going to shake out in fantasy drafts, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. Uh, going through these rankings, there are some possible trade candidates we'll get into, but no big free agents really, right? At second base? Yeah, I yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah everyone's pretty much where they're going to be. And, you know, I mean, this position has been kind of a minefield in recent years. Lots of peaks and valleys production-wise. Uh, there's depth, like, but not the most reliable yeah. depth. Um, definitely like some multi-category guys throughout the ranks, fun players to analyze, even if the overall upside can be lacking. Um, I'd say only yeah. one surefire first round pick among these names, yeah. but a lot of players in like the pick 20 to 100 range. Yeah. I think what's really interesting about second base, it's a little deeper this year, but it's because of players who were eligible at other positions. So even yeah. Trey Turner, which we'll get into, we're going to talk about second baseman today. He's eligible at second base because that's where he played when he got traded to the Dodgers. But many fantasy managers may draft Turner with the idea of putting him at shortstop. So that takes an option away from second base. So I think it's a little bit deceiving how deep second base is. It just all depends on your fellow managers where they plan to use these shortstop eligible players. So we'll get into all that. We'll be back next week with more episodes as well. Colin and Chris will handle shortstop next Monday, and we'll be back next Thursday to discuss third base. We've already talked about catcher and first base, so you can go back in our archives to check those out. So we're going to get into second base in a minute. Before we do that, a quick word for our listeners. The 2022 NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide is available now, and we're giving our listeners a special offer. You can get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. We get you ready for your fantasy draft with expert insight and tools at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. Use promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season. Hopefully this season. Uh, And don't forget the magazines out there on newsstands. Uh, We actually today one for best uh, fantasy baseball publication uh, for 2021, our 2021 draft guide, which is really cool. So we work really hard on this. There's yes, a lot. We do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, and that will be ongoing throughout uh, the spring. We'll update the online draft guide as well. But uh, a lot of the same crew that worked on the 2021 guide worked on this 2022 one. So, you know, you're getting award-winning work there. Um, we're really proud of that. Bo Bichette's on the cover. I love the magazine this year. It's it's so beautiful. So go yeah, check it out. Yeah, it looks great. Looks great. 
before we get into this, you were talking about eligibility and it'll kind of be a, a subject we bring up a bunch with different players, but we should note that Mookie Betts is going to be eligible at second base on Yahoo and, <laughs> and, and I guess Cheat code. Yeah. Other services that maybe are a little more lax with their eligibility requirements. Cause he made five starts and had mm. uh, seven total in-game appearances at second base last year for the Dodgers. We're going with it's, 20 games for our rankings. Yeah. <laughs> That's here. a little more legit than when uh, Anthony Rizzo was second base eligible because yeah. of Joe Madden moving <laughs> over to second base uh, throughout the season. What year was that? 2018 or something like that. Yeah. That's always nice to have that knowledge in your back pocket when you go into a draft room uh, with Yahoo, especially because you can really fill out your roster nicely if you know that going in. Uh, so definitely just a reminder to be prepared when you go yeah, to I mean, Yahoo drafts. If, if we were ranking Mookie Betts among second baseman, he'd be number two for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, let's get started. Uh, we usually read off our top 12, uh, each of us, and then we just sort of go from there. Uh, so you can go first, Drew. Number one, Trey Turner. Two, Ozzie Albies. Three, Marcus Simeon. Four, Whit Merrifield. Five, Brandon Lau. Six, Cattell Marte. Seven, Jose Altuve. Eight, Javier Baez. Nine, Jazz Chisholm Jr. Ten, Jorge Polanco. Eleven, Tommy Edmond and 12 Jonathan India. Great. So we do have some, uh, we do have some differences here. I have Trey Turner, number one, Mm -hmm. Ozzy Albies, number two. So that's the same Whit Merrifield, number three. I have Jose Altuve at four, Marcus Simeon at five, Baez at six, Lau at seven, Cattell Marte at eight, uh, Polanco, nine, Jonathan India, 10, Jake Cronenworth, 11. And number 12, I have DJ LeMahieu. Oh, man. So we do have some differences in our rankings, which we'll we'll obviously get into as we as we move along here. But we'll start at the top of the board with Trey Turner. I, I said this when uh, Chris Crawford and I did a box break yesterday. Uh, I opened some 2022 top series one um, and Chris had some Bowman inception from last year. But, you know, we talked a little bit about fantasy baseball in general. And I said Trey Turner is my number one player this year. Yeah, I think there's probably a little too much risk with Tatis in his shoulder. He would probably be the in a typical like five by five setup. Turner would be my number one. If we're talking like on base percentage league, I would probably take Juan Soto. Um, but yeah, Turner is my my number one. Uh, so no surprise to see him at the top. Obviously, like you said, he's the only second baseman who's going to be drafted uh, in the first round uh, this year. Led the NL with a three twenty eight batting average last season. Had 28 homers, 32 steals, 77 RBIs, 107 runs scored. So just a multi-category dynamo and probably maybe is going to be in the best lineup he's ever been in with the Dodgers. I think maybe you could say in the World Series season with the Nationals that that lineup was pretty good. But I think the Dodgers could still get better before opening day. And Turner, presumably being the leadoff hitter there, I think he's going to clean up. We know that best speed in the game. Definitely the sprint speed backs that up. Yeah. And his XBA last year was 304. So to me, he's just the all around like perfect package and the speed gives him that safe floor. So even if at the end of the year, he's not going to be the number one fantasy player, like you're going to be pretty satisfied, at least assuming he stays healthy. Yeah, he'll slide over to, to shortstop for the Dodgers this yeah. year with. Corey Seager departing for a big free agent payday with the Rangers. But yeah, Turner picked up that second base eligibility down the stretch last season after being traded from the Nationals. And that sweet shortstop second base maneuverability only adds to his appeal beyond the elite five category coverage that you brought up. Over the last two seasons combined, a 330 batting average, 931 OPS, 150 OPS plus with 40 home runs and 44 stolen bases in 207 games. Led all major leaguers in hits both of the last two years as well. The power has been on an uptick. The steals are are bankable, a hundredth percentile in sprint speed last season. Yeah. Uh, only twenty eight years old going into the start of this season, and yeah, probably getting looks at leadoff at times. Could hit second, could hit third. Um, yeah, in another deep and dynamic Dodgers lineup, just checks every single box, and and he's my number one player overall as well this yeah. year. So a little more debate as we move along here. Uh, Ozzy Albies, he has an ADP of 19.21 mm-hmm. on 
on NFC. Uh, hit 259 with a 799 OPS last year. Had career best 30 homers, 106 RBIs, 20 stolen bases over 156 games. The speed was really nice to see. I think we all knew he had that in him, especially based on those minor league numbers, which I know minor league stolen bases can be a little bit deceiving at times. But to get to that 30 homer, 20 steal mark is obviously nice. Albies makes a good amount of contact, not the most patient hitter. But I think the batting average, it's not going to hurt you by any means. Uh, But he has increased his fly ball rate over the past two seasons. I guess the good news is that he's made gains in like the things you want to see, barrel rate. So I think settling in that 30 homer area is a good baseline uh, for him moving forward. So I don't know about that ADP. Um, Is he a second round pick? To me, I, I feel a little hesitant. But I think he is the number two fantasy second base, and I'm just not sure I'm going to use a second round pick on him. You can definitely poke holes in, in parts of Albie's yeah. profile. Some of the advanced data is more like average than elite, and his plate approach leaves a lot to be desired. That aspect of his game hasn't really improved since he arrived in the majors. But you know, fantasy baseball is about counting stats at the end of the day, yeah. and Albies typically finds a way to rack those up in bunches. A heck of a season in 2021, uh, helping the Braves to their first World Series title in 26 years. He actually went really quiet in the playoffs, if you remember. But um, the regular season, 30 homers, the RBIs, the stolen bases, the runs scored. You can't count on a lofty batting average. Like Even with his speed, he just chases too many pitches. And Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's probably a bit of natural reg- regression coming in 2022, g- given the way he has exceeded like his expected metrics. Um, but it does feel like we've been saying that for a few years now and usually has a fruitful spot in a good Braves lineup, assuming they bring back Freddie Freeman and, and Ronald Acuna Jr. comes back from the torn ACL. Uh, he's going, you said 19th in NFC. He's 21st overall. Finally, some Yahoo ADP data is out. He's going 21st in Yahoo. Um, so around the same, to, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, so compared to Turner at either number one overall or number two, so you see the gap there at, at the top for second baseman. And I agree, I'm I'm probably not reaching for Albies around pick twenty. I, I, I just there, I, I think there's some regression coming, like a kind of across the board, because yeah. he's not really that well-rounded of a hitter. But again, there's the, the raw tools are there where he usually shows up and helps you out in fantasy. I'd probably want to get either a pitcher in the second round or kind of one of the, not one of the last, but one of the more bankable multi-category outfielders on the board in the second round. So uh, you had Whit Merrifield at three? I had Simeon at at three. So this is where we started to kind of diverge. And yeah, I might be chasing last year's number here with with Simeon. I'm cognizant of that. Uh, But I have him just slightly ahead of of Merrifield, even though they're very different players. Yeah, <laughs> Simeon coming off a third place finish in, in the 2021 AL MVP vote. Also finished third for AL MVP in 2019 with the A's. 45 home runs and 873 OPS in a full 162 games last year for the Blue Jays. 39 doubles, 102 RBIs, 15 steals, 115 runs. Parlayed that into a, a seven-year, $175 million contract from the Rangers, which was finalized just before the lockout got put in place. It is important to note that his numbers were exceptional in Dunedin, where the Blue Jays started the year, and then in Buffalo, and then tailed off a little when when the Jays returned to Rogers Center in Toronto, and that he's now moving to a a more pitcher-friendly environment in Texas. Um, But it's not like Oakland was a super easy place to hit, and he began his sort of late career breakout there. Um, I worry about some level of, of bust potential here, but I also think yeah. it's it's more likely in the in the range of outcomes that he just keeps on flourishing at age 31, probably not to the level of 45 home runs, but um, he's a little faster than than you know than his stolen base totals up to this point have shown, and, and, and even at age 31, I think he can he can get to double digit steals and and hit you 35 homers, which is super valuable. I think most people were tempted to throw out the 2020 numbers and last year certainly backed that up. But the strikeout rate did remain pretty much right where he was in 2020, uh, 20% right around there. So I don't think you're going to see any batting average improvement. 265 is where he was. Yeah. 
And I think you were probably going to price in some regression anyway. You kind of had to. So that he's going to a ballpark, which has proven to be decidedly pitcher friendly. You know, I'm setting my baseline expectations like 260, 30 homers, 90 RBIs, 10 steals, 90 runs scored. That's still good. Pretty good, yeah. But it could be worse than that, too. Uh, I, I don't know. Something about something about him makes me uncomfortable to pay the price tag this year. I'm probably it not going to fe- yeah. go for it. it. It feels like there are there's bust written all across his profile, but yeah, a little uh, bit. Maybe not. Yeah, he's been yeah. so up and down. Even yeah, even over the last three years, like had the breakout in Oakland and then kind of fell apart in 2020. But you know, small sample and and really bounced back with the Blue Jays. But then you factor in they were playing in minor league ballparks, uh, yeah, for at least yeah. half the year. So I had Whit Merrifield at number three, and I think he's going kind of similar to where Semyon is. Yeah, you're right in is. that same general area. Mm-hmm. Now to be clear. Marcus Semyon is a much better hitter than Whit Merrifield. It's not even close, obviously, but you know the separator is the stolen bases uh, and the volume at the top of the Royals lineup. So Merrifield hit 277 last year, had 10 homers, 74 RBIs, 40 stolen bases, 97 runs scored. He played in all 162 games. He's basically MLB's Iron Man at this point. <laughs> He's played in every game over each of the last three seasons and 158 games in 2018. So uh, I know he's getting older. Uh, I think he's going to be like 32, 33, Mm 33. So he's getting up there. And of course, one of the other concerns in recent years has been that speed declining. Uh, He was 20 for 30 in stolen base attempts in 2019. And we all thought like it's over for him. Mm -hmm. But in 2020, he went 12 for 15 uh, last year, he went 40 for 44, which is amazing. Uh, so I think you can still bank on that. Makes a lot of contact, double-digit power. You're not expecting a ton there. But like I said, volume at the top of the Royals lineup. And I think that's big for him. I think the the speed gives him a really safe floor. And you know that might be what you're going for at this stage. There's only so many uh, bankable speed options. And he's right there if you don't get like a Trey Turner or a Starling Marte. Yeah, like I said, not a huge difference in where I'm ranking Semin and Merrifield, and, and that's the way they're be- being treated in drafts right now if you look at ADP. Um, but yeah, if you want to knock Simeon's batted ball data or you know build in some regression to his profile, you have to acknowledge that Merrifield has a whole lot of blue on his mm-hmm. baseball savant page and has for a while, like 12th percentage in average exit velocity last year, 6th percentile in hard hit rate. He's in the same percentile as Simeon when it comes to sprint speed, 87. But obviously the Royals allow their players to be more aggressive on yeah. the base pass. Maybe the Rangers will let Simeon run a little bit more than he did with the A's and Blue Jays. Uh, but Merrifield, yeah, 33 years old. He had just 10 home runs and 720 plate appearances last season, a 277 batting average, 317 on base. You kind of need him to reach 35 to 40 steals and to score a hundred plus runs, I think to justify the third round, like draft day costs and at his age, I don't know. He'll probably do it again, but I find myself doubting Merrifield every year. And then he he becomes super valuable. And I agree, you know, in a, in a fantasy landscape where stolen bases continue to decline, he's, he's unique. Yeah. So I had Altuve just ahead of Marcus Semyon and my case for it is that I just feel like he is safe. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm looking for. I, you know, obviously he had the down 2020 season, uh, sort of like Simeon, but he bounced back nicely last year. Uh, hit 278, 31 homers, which is great to see. 83 RBIs, 117 runs scored, uh, five steals. Speed not really, you know, a part of his game at this point, but certainly nice to see him bounce back after uh, 2020. And I think after really after Semyon, it gets risky. There's a lot of range of outcomes for the players after like number five with me on, on my list. Uh, so I like the safety of Altuve. His strikeout rate was uh, 13.4% last year, which was nice. Yeah. Down from 18.6 in 2020, 15% in 2019, his highest contact rate since 2015 also the highest walk rate of his career, which I think is pretty interesting. 
I think even if you take Carlos Correa out of the mix, which isn't a guarantee, you never know what could happen there. It's still a really good lineup in Houston, and Altuve should continue to hit leadoff there. I love his situation. He's going to get the volume, and he's still a really good hitter. Yeah, I had him seventh. He, you know, Altuve hasn't been a significant source of speed since going yeah. back to 2018. Uh, just 13 for 24 on his stolen base attempts going back to the beginning of 2019. The batting average has fallen off. He was at one point elite in that regard, obviously. Yeah. But you're right. He, he's hit exactly 31 home runs each of the last two full seasons. So 2019, 2021. Gets on base at a good clip, doesn't strike out, and he's Dusty Baker's locked-in leadoff man ahead of Brantley and Bregman and Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker, Tucker and Yuli Gurriel. Uh, so the homers and the runs scored and usually a good amount of RBIs in that deep Houston lineup that tends to turn over. He's still a deserving top 75 pick for me as he enters his yep. age 32 season. For me, like I think the top seven at second base are are bankable and then it gets risky but you know i'll get into brandon lau i had him fifth where did you have him seventh yeah okay so we kind of flip-flop there one of the more underrated players in all of baseball and i think probably the best pure power option at second base um, especially if you're building in regression for Simeon. Looking at the the 162 game rate of production over the last three years combined for lau 39 home runs, 105 RBIs, a 526 slugging percentage, 870 OPS. Uh, he had a 916 OPS during the shortened season in 2020, fell just short of the 40 homer mark in 2021. He's been incredibly productive against right-handed pitching, not quite as productive against left-handed pitching, but yeah. you know most pitchers are obviously right-handed. Lau was the Rays' leadoff man versus righties by the end of last season. Um, typically slotted in at fifth versus lefties. Lots of talent around him at the top of that lineup. Wander Franco taking another step towards stardom. Austin Meadows, Randy Arozarena. Lau has an ADP of 76 right now on Yahoo, which I see as a great value given you know the unique power upside relative to the other options here on the board at second base. Yeah, I, I was really tempted to put Lau higher, but I just couldn't do it. And the reason for it is those struggles against lefties. Two out of the last three seasons, he's been pretty bad against lefties. Uh, last year, he hit 270 with a 956 OPS against right-handed pitching, compared to 198 with a 662 OPS against uh, left-handers. And uh, strikeout rate, 24.1% against righties, all the way up to 34% against lefties. Uh, last year. So with the way the Rays mix and match, I'm just a little bit worried about the plate appearances possibly being impacted. Um, it's not going to be a ton, obviously, because it's it's lefties. You're going to face righties more often, but maybe enough to set, to cause some separation here uh, at the second base position. I still like him a lot. Like I said, I wanted to put him higher, um, but just those little concerns was enough to, to knock him down to seventh for me. I have Javier Baez at number six. Uh, where did you have Baez? Eighth. And he's another guy I'm nervous about. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> the, just risk in the approach. I mean, with the Cubs, he did. He was not great last year. Once he joined the Mets, he was much better. Uh, 13 walks in 47 games with the Mets. He had just 15 in 91 games with the Cubs. So his approach could fall apart at any time and you're kind of stuck with a pumpkin there he is going to give you counting stats no matter what though power speed so i think he can go like 30 20 perhaps hmm. uh but he might hit 230 like i just <laughs> i don't really know what's going to happen with bias of course signed a six-year 140 million dollar contract with the tigers during the offseason he's going to be the shortstop there in detroit even though he's second base eligible that's where he played with the mets down the stretch because of Francisco Lindor. I just don't know which player we're going to get. Yeah, I mean, props to the Tigers for spending big as they try yeah. to you know move from rebuilding into to contending, and props to Baez for securing a large free agent payout. But I have concerns about how this contract is is going to look long term, and even concerns in the short term. Yeah. Baez has been very up and down throughout his career. Not even like just the season long totals, but the in season production. Uh, that that bears out in his batted ball data too. Always near the top of the max exit velocity leaderboard, but very near the bottom of things like chase rate, whiff percentage, just a frustratingly inconsistent 
player despite the loads of raw talent like look at his 2020 stat line granted small sample size due the due to the pandemic but he batted just 203 with a 599 ops and 235 plate appearances Uh, maybe he'll be great with detroit maybe he'll be terrible i don't think i can lock in maybe the 30 homers i don't think i can lock in the 20 stolen bases and I, i i don't even think i can lock in the 30 homers and over the next six years, like it's it's anyone's guess. I would have liked to have seen an improvement in the plate approach by now to give him that kind of deal. He got way more than than I thought he would in, in years and total dollars. But hey, I'm pro labor, so good for him. <laughs> um, I had uh, Cattell Marte sixth. Okay, and- I had him eighth, and originally I had Marte a little bit higher yeah. because I love him as a player. I think he's one of the most underrated players in baseball. Yes. Um, but I just couldn't justify it in terms of counting stats. I have him at number eight and I'm a big fan. I'm just not sure where the, the category upside is. Yeah. I'm, I'm prepared to be the high man on him this year and to hopefully get a lot of shares. He's going as the 11th second base eligible player off Love the board it. in early drafts on Yahoo. I have him sixth again in my ranking. So Obviously, uh, pretty high on him compared to the general fantasy baseball population. Had he not missed large chunks of time last year due to hamstring injuries, he would certainly be going a lot earlier. Um, I guess you worry about those hamstring issues becoming chronic. Um, For some players, that is a thing. But over the last three seasons, a span of 279 games and nearly 2,000 plate appearances, Marte has batted 318 with 374 on base percentage and 543 slugging percentage. That's a 917 OPS over his last nearly 2,000 plate appearances. He had 32 homers in 144 games in 2019, also 10 steals, uh, 92 RBIs, 97 runs scored. When he was healthy in 2021, the batted ball data was excellent, 97th percentile in max exit velocity, 86th percentile in hard hit rate, 98th percentile in expected batting average. Marte doesn't strike out. He makes tons of contact to all fields. With better luck on the health front, and obviously that's the, that's the biggest factor here, maybe a trade to a better team, Yeah, he could be the steal of the year in draft. Yeah, you were saying over the last three seasons, which is 279 games, only Tim Anderson uh, has a higher batting average during that time. So he's one of the most bankable batting average options out there. And I don't know if a lot of people realize that uh, even. Uh, so he's safe there. I like the power. I wish there was more speed. Yeah. But certainly if he was in a better lineup situation, you know, counting stats can improve as far as RBIs and run scored. So so we'll see with that. I, I am a Marte fan. For sure. I'm into him if he falls to where uncomfortable, basically. Yeah. Uh, so I have Jorge Polanco, number nine. Item 10. Okay. So we're basically the same. And I think based on last year's numbers, he's almost like the poor man's Marcus Simeon. I was kind of looking at his profile. Hit 269 last year, 33 home runs, 98 RBIs, 11 stolen bases, 97 runs scored. I mean, that's kind of similar you know, uh, impact category wise as semi and not quite as high, but still really good. And for someone going as, as late as he is, I don't have the Yahoo data in front of me. I'm curious if you could get that 81.23 ADP on NFC 98 on Yahoo. See, I think that's an awesome value. 98 on Yahoo is really, really good. Uh, he had a bad 2020 season, but Basically bounced back to his 2019 numbers, hit 295 that year. Strikeout rate was up a little bit last year, seemed to sell out for power a little bit. But, you know, you don't really complain about that if it if it works out. Hit 33 homers, still makes a good amount of contact. So that's not really a problem. Had the highest barrel rate, hard hit percentage, and average exit velocity of his career last season. I think he's pretty, pretty safe, pretty safe floor. And and the ceiling's pretty high too there for for Polanco, so I like him a lot. He's been sort of on the fantasy radar, off the fantasy radar, yep. then borderline, then breakout and an All Star in 2019, then letdown in 2020. It's been sort of a roller coaster, but you know he did make his major league debut at age 20 back in 2014, and I agree. I think now finally at age 28, it feels like he is safe and fully established. You mentioned the numbers from last year. A switch hitter who has proven effective as both a left-handed and right-handed bat. 
uh, was mostly in the number two or number three spot in the lineup for the Twins down the stretch last year. I don't know what to think about this Twins team in general going into 2022. I think you and, and Crawford talked a little bit about the Twins on your card opening show, but and the lineup could be fun with a healthy Byron Buxton and Polanco should be hitting either right behind or right in front of Buxton most days. Also has eligibility at shortstop, right. uh, so that's a plus two. I like him. I think he. I agree that he feels really safe. If we're talking about someone who doesn't feel safe, I Jazz Chisholm Jr. at yeah. number nine. Did you have yeah. him in your top twelve? I did not. He's number fourteen for me, um, and I. I think you're right. There's a lot of risk in in his profile. A lot of potential upside too, yeah. but. I'm a little bit scared, but I'd like to hear your case. 18 homers, 23 stolen bases in 124 games last season as a rookie. That's the good part. Those numbers you'd think would be projectable upward for a guy who just turned 24 years old. But there are issues here. A 238 batting average, 296 on base percentage through his first 569 plate appearances in the majors. His strikeout rate was 12th worst among all qualified hitters. Last year, his walk percentage was 27th lowest among all qualified hitters. Uh, Chisholm had the the same issues in the minors, too, but he was in the minors productive from a a counting stats perspective nonetheless, and and hopefully uh, will continue to rise above the poor plate approach to deliver strong fantasy numbers. And if he improves his overall profile as a hitter, we could be talking about an absolute fantasy stud. Um, Right now, the Marlins lineup looks pretty ugly. Uh, so you have to factor that into the more teammate-dependent category projections. But they could do some adding whenever the work they stoppage could. ends. I know they want to add some offense. We'll see how creative they can be to to get that done. Um, but I mean, he's got you know the homers. He's got the power and the speed, and and it's super intriguing at at the age that he is. And hopefully, he can just improve his plate approach and and really bring it all together. Yeah, I was a little surprised that the Marlins kind of just ran with him. Uh, at the start of the season last year, because I think he still had some work to do with this approach. Of course, he had a great April. I remember him hitting a bomb of a home run off Jacob DeGrom in that hot start. Um, but he hit 236 after um, after April. Uh, last season, had a 286 on base percentage during that time. So um, you worry about the plate approach and his ability to to keep a spot near the top of the lineup if he's struggling. And then what if he struggles so bad that the Marlins just say, hey, we need to give you a spell in AAA? Like, I wouldn't rule out that possibility. I I really wouldn't. Um, you know, it's happened so, to a lot of Marlins offensive prospects recently. Yeah, so I, I'm rooting for him because I think he's one of the most exciting young players in baseball. Uh, but I, I have some concerns. So I put him 14th just because the upside's great, but I think there's some safer plays. And that's basically what I did here. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I actually have Jonathan India at 10, who's, who's young. But what I liked about India last year, after some numbers in the minors, which really didn't jump off the page, he certainly had you know, the pedigree of a first round pick, but the numbers weren't awesome in the minors, but came up and just showed a really good approach Mm -hmm. last year. Great patience at the top of the Reds lineup, established himself as the leadoff man there and put up some crazy numbers. 
he took over the leadoff spot in early June. And from that point, 105 games, he scored 82 runs, 82 runs in 105 games, put up 17 homers, 46 RBIs, nine steals in that time. Those are some awesome numbers in a hitter-friendly ballpark. The sprint speed is really good as well, 86 percentile. So I believe in that speed. I think he can be maybe come close to being a 20-steal guy. So you're looking at maybe 2020, 100-plus runs scored, uh, potentially hitting leadoff for the Reds. I mean, that's that's really enticing. Um, and he's uh, sort of in that 100 range, ADP on NFC. I, I, I really like him right now. Yeah, I debated having him a little bit higher. Adam 12th. Uh, India 2021 National League Rookie of the Year, almost unanimously. Marlin starter Trevor Rogers yep. got one first place vote. India received the other 29. He was, you mentioned, he was only loosely on the fantasy radar this time last year, a little bit forgotten maybe with no yep. minor leagues in 2020, but made the the Reds roster out of camp and, and looked super mature uh, throughout the season. Overall, an 835 OPS, the 21 home runs, 12 stolen bases over his first 150 major league games. And you mentioned how well he did down the stretch, especially, and began the season hitting seventh or eighth. And like you mentioned, was firmly entrenched at leadoff by early June. Really good walk rate, 376 on base percentage as a rookie. I take that as a very good sign. Um, And he could probably hold on to leadoff, I would think, at least going into the year, maybe hit second sometimes if they want to put like Jesse Winker up there. I don't know how high the ceiling is for India. But given that he's only 25 years old and already showed such maturity over a full major league season, it does feel like the floor is at least pretty high with the boosted power totals at Great American Ballpark and the speed is pretty good. I wanted to actually put him over Tommy Edmond, who I had 11th. Edmond is really difficult to evaluate. And yeah, I, I agree. I have Edmond 13. Yeah. Um, if we're talking I, I, about busts, like. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I had Cronenworth and LeMayhew. 11 and 12. I think Cronenworth is pretty safe. It looks like he's going to be the the uh, primary first baseman, perhaps. It's hard to say. I mean, the Brewer, the Padres can move some guys around, so it's, yeah, it's kind of really hard to say. But uh, last year had some nice numbers. Hit 266, 21 homers, 71 RBIs, uh, four steals, 94 runs scored over 152 games. Actually, he'll probably play second base because they traded Adam Frazier. And the ADP on Cronenworth, 119.13. I think he looks like a great value. Of course, he's multi-position eligible, so you can move him kind of all over the place. I think there's some more speed upside with Cronenworth than we've seen. Yes. His his sprint speed is really impressive. I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it's I think it's in the 90s somewhere, 90th percentile range. So I think it could be a double-digit stolen base guy, perhaps. So I think there's some nice category ability with Cronenworth. LeMahieu is kind of similar-ish for me. Mm, I know he had a bad year last year with the Yankees, but he's probably going to be the Yankees' leadoff hitter. I know, yeah. And I I moved LeMahieu all over the place as I was putting together these rankings. Finally landed him at 18th. Um, mm, it's wow. just my, my gut feels like he should be lower. And I was trying not to overreact to last year because he yeah. was awesome with, as when his first year with the Yankees in 2019, absolutely ridiculous during the shortened 2020 season, but such a massive drop off in 2021, 10 home runs and 679 play appearances for LeMahieu. The batting average goes from 364 in 2020 to 268 last year. The OPS drops 300 points. Uh, he turns 34 years old this July. LeMay, who hasn't been a good source of steals in several years, and if he's not going to be a 20-homer threat and might struggle to get the average back to 300, like, what are you left with? Basically just runs scored. Yeah. You're, hitting leadoff for the Yankees is definitely a valuable thing, but I just I worry he doesn't do enough on his own at this point. That's what we thought when he came to the Yankees, if you remember. Yeah, true. Um, basically this exact scenario. With LeMahieu, he still makes a ton of contact where I I have to think that batting average is going to come back closer to the 300 range. If he can do that with an on-base in you know, the 360, 370 range, he can score 100-plus runs. I think the power, I'm not sure if it's going to come back. Some of that might depend on the state of the baseball. He was certainly one of those players who was mm. impacted the most by the de-juiced baseball because... His average home run distance was 
was shaky going into last year. And uh, we saw Ivan losing a, a little bit of that power hurt him in a big way. So I'm not sure if I'd, I'm, I don't think he's going to hit 20 homers. I'd take 15 homers, 70 RBIs, 100 runs scored, like 280 batting average. I still think could be really good. So again, it's, it's about safe because after this point with me, I had Edmund 13, Chisholm 14, and it, it gets riskier from there. So I thought he was the last one that I felt is going to have a locked in spot with some volume. Yeah, honestly, India, Cronenworth, and I'm going to throw Chris Taylor in there too. Feel like some yeah. safe floor yeah. kind of guys. That's um, fair. I want to talk about Edmund though, just because yeah, I had that. him at 11th. Um, and he was almost always in the leadoff spot under former Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. And if he loses that lineup assignment under new manager mm-hmm. Oliver Marmol, the fantasy value is going to take a serious hit. Um, yeah. Sometimes maybe we talk too much about lineups, especially on like a day-to-day, night-to-night basis on Twitter. But with Edmund, it's really important because over the last two years, com- over the last two years combined, he has a 259 batting average, 310 on base, 382 slug, and 918 Oof. plate appearances. Like that's Brutal. that's a below league average hitter. It's a yeah. guy who probably shouldn't be starting and certainly not setting the table for any contending team. Yeah. Um, but you know, he stole 30 bases last year. He hit 41 doubles and scored 91 runs. Um, if he can get back closer to the guy that he was as a rookie in 2019, when he slashed 304, 350, 500, he'll keep the leadoff job and can produce very useful, even unique fantasy totals. But we'll see. The larger sample size suggests that he's not that good. And Nolan Gorman is one of the Cardinals' top prospects. He's essentially transitioned from third base to second. Um, That happened with Nolan Arenado coming aboard. And Gorman's going to be knocking on the door by mid-2022. He finished the year at AAA Memphis last year. So this is looking like a crucial year for Edmund. I think he's better than than some of the recent batting lines have suggested. I don't think he's as good as as he was as a rookie. So it kind of just depends on what he can get back to. He's going to go early because, you know, yeah. people start panicking when like stolen bases come off the board. You know, someone's going to take him early. He um, feels attractive in a draft because, yeah, you'll, you'll see that stolen bases projection there on his profile. But I, I'm worried about about him falling off a cliff fantasy wise. Uh, Chris Taylor, I mentioned, yeah, India, Cronenworth, Taylor have a lot of similarities for me, like those low 800 OPS vibes, 20 homer power, just touching double digit stolen bases. Um, You could say with Taylor that he doesn't have the same possible upside to to tap into as those other guys because he's 31 years old going on 32 this August. But I had him 14th. You know, he's very much proven in more than 2,300 plate appearances going back to the beginning of 2017. Taylor has an 804 OPS. He's averaged 20 homers, 13 steals for every 162 games played. Got a four-year, $60 million contract from the Dodgers this winter. Stands to get everyday playing time across a variety of positions. He's eligible at second base, shortstop, and the outfield. Yahoo gives him third base, too, which Mm -hmm. is intriguing because I I was doing my – not to, to preview our, our episode for next week, but I was doing my third base rankings today. That position falls off a cliff. Oh, yeah. Real oh, fast. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So, I, I, I don't know. If you could plug in Taylor as your third baseman on Yahoo, I'd feel more comfortable with Do that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so with Taylor, I had uh, I had him at 15. And I think right now we should interject about Glaber Muncie? Torres. Oh, Glaber Torres. <laughs> Because he doesn't qualify at second base. He didn't play. He, I think he got 19, 19 appearances yep. at, at second base last year with the Yankees. He's going to be the primary second baseman for the Yankees this year. So he's going to qualify very, very quickly uh, into the 2022 season. I think he falls right about here. 16, if I had to rank him among second basemen. He's a really confusing player. Has <laughs> a uh, 703 OPS, just 12 home runs over his last 169 games dating back to the start of the 2020 season was a little better down the stretch last year. So I I don't think he's as bad as maybe we've seen over the past two years. I also think maybe playing second base can help his confidence can translate to his offensive production. And he's in Yankee stadium in that lineup. I think counting stats wise, you can expect a nice little bounce back. I don't know about the, the stolen bases 
uh, had 14 steals in 127 games last year. Uh, just a 50th percentile sprint speed. So I have some doubts about a repeat there. I don't think I'm going to count on 14 steals again. Um, but I think we're going to see a decent little bounce back offensively, but not enough to put him ahead of some of these other guys, even some of the riskier guys we were just talking about. Yeah, Torres is at 173 ADP on Yahoo. So at least you, you don't have to like take a big risk. Um, yeah. If you're counting sure. on a bounce back. I, I had Max Muncy at 16th. We just, we don't know enough about his yeah. health right now to rank him properly. That'll be one yeah. of the bigger news updates whenever the lockout ends and players yeah. report to camp and we get a flood of information on a range of players who haven't been heard from since late November. You want to keep point. it. Yeah. Yeah, you want to keep it locked on our player news page at that time because we're going to be hustling. But uh, yeah, we, we'll have to kind of revisit that. He has apparently a partial tear of his of the UCL in his left elbow. S- suffered that injury in the Dodgers' re- regular season finale, and just yeah, he hasn't given an interview like like most players since the lockout began. Um, I had Luis Urias at fifteenth. He enjoyed a little post-type breakout last year, and, and not many people are talking about it uh, with Milwaukee. A 789 OPS, 23 home runs, 75 RBIs, 77 runs scored in 155 games. A former top 20 prospect when he was in the Padres system. Urias was part of that Trent Grisham trade from back in November 2019. He didn't do much at all in his first three major league seasons, or like they were partial seasons really because he was sort of up and down between the minors and, and the majors, but Urias is now positioned as the everyday third baseman for the Brewers with eligibility at third base, shortstop, and second base in, in most uh, fantasy services. Great home park for power there at American Family Field in Milwaukee. He was a high average, high OBP guy in the minors and, and showed yeah. an improved plate approach in 2021. So we could see a jump in the overall batting line. He's only 24 years old. Uh, which is surprising. It feels like he's been around forever. It does. Kind of a sleeper for me. His ADP is 365 on Yahoo, 153 at NFC. I know it's early, but that's a crazy difference in the way he's being treated in drafts. NFC is, you know, kind of more like hardcore fantasy baseball players. Yahoo tends to be a little more casual. Um, So just, just keep him in mind. If, if, if you get, to, to a position in a draft where you need to fill like a, a middle infield spot even. I, I wouldn't necessarily make him my starter at second base, third or short, but he yeah. fills a middle infield spot real nicely. Yeah, I think we're in that range where you're talking about middle infielders yeah. or some of these players might be multi-position eligible. I had Ty France at 16. I think he's really underrated. He's hit 294 in 195 games of the last two seasons. Only 12 qualified hitters have a higher batting average during that time, and they are all big names. Teoscar Hernandez is in there, which I don't know if he's like a huge name, but all the rest of them are very well-established. Trey Turner, Soto, Tim Anderson, Freddie Freeman, Michael Brantley, uh, Cattell Marte, Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr., Harper, Bogarts, Goldschmidt. Those are all huge names, and then you have Ty France in there which you never would have expected. Um, I don't think he gets a lot of attention. Uh, did a nice job cutting down on strikeouts last year, 16.3% uh, compared to 23.9% in 2020. So I think he's pretty safe as far as batting average goes. I'm not sure about the power upside. It's, the ceiling is probably 20-ish range for, for homers, but he's going to be the primary first baseman uh, in Seattle with a lineup that I think he's going to get better and better as we move along here. So I, I like him a lot. Uh, he's someone you can move around to, which is always nice to have on your roster. I had two Rockies at 17 and then 19. Uh, Brendan Rogers, I have at 17, finally moved hey. past the injuries that stunted his ascent from third overall pick back in 2015 to top prospect for several years running to now a locked-in everyday player for the Rockies, still only 25 years old, despite the stops and starts in the early part of his professional career. Rogers actually hit a lot better away from Coors Field last season than he did at home, but we know what to expect moving forward, the boost that he's going to get, build that into the projection, could be a real breakout guy in 2022. The supporting cast is underwhelming um, there in Colorado, and and durability issues kind of linger somewhat in the back of your mind with him, but Rodgers should be a popular mid to late round sleeper pick and drafts. I agree. I agree. And then Ryan McMahon, I mean, if he played for a different team in a different home hitting yeah. environment, I'm not sure McMahon would be a draft day consideration. 
211 career batting average, 655 career OPS. This is away from course field, uh, but he's an everyday guy for the Rockies with a good path to 25 plus homers and 80 plus RBIs, which is valuable at second base or for a middle infield spot. That's kind of about where the analysis ends with McMahon. <laughs> he, you know, he's, he yeah. fares well versus righties as a left-handed hitter, decent floor of power production. He hits yep. some bombs, not just in Coors Field either. He has legit power, but he has obvious flaws to his game, as do all Rockies hitters when they go on the road, just because that that transition is so weird for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I put Jeff McNeil 20th. Wanted to talk about him a little bit. Has an ADP of 317.16 on, on uh, NFC right now, so you're not going to really have to pay up for McNeil. Had a terrible year last year. Hit 251. Seven home runs, 679 OPS over 120 games. But I see some nice bounce back potential for McNeil. Still really hard to strike out. Uh, Strikeout rate was 13.6% last year, which is basically where he was in, in 2019. I'd like to see him get back to being more pull centric, uh, really attacking the ball, especially first pitches. He was pulling off the ball a lot last year. Basically, every game I watched him, he was taking really defensive swings, pulling off the ball, making a lot of weak contact at the opposite field. Uh, They have a new hitting coach, Eric Chavez. He's already said he wants to uh, simplify things. I'm not sure if the old regime was trying to make every hitter kind of fit in the same box as far as approach. Um, It does look like like they want to simplify things and maybe get McNeil back to being who he is. I'm not sure he's a 20 plus Homer guy necessarily, but mm-hmm. I am very confident that he can be a 300 hitter again with 15 plus bombs, few steals, nice counting stats. I really think he can be um, whether he keeps a job with the Mets right now, he'll probably be the second baseman for the Mets, you know, pending if they make any other additions, but he's also been mentioned as a trade possibility, but either way, I, I think there's some really nice rebound potential with McNeil. Eduardo Escobar, I had 20th. He's eligible at second base, probably going to most mostly play thir- third base for the Mets. Yeah. Wasn't their flashiest offseason signing, and he's not a perfect player, like poor on base guy throughout his career. But he's been a nice source of home runs each of the last two full seasons. 35 homers, 118 RBIs in 2019 with Arizona. A rough 2020, uh, but small sample there. And then bounced back for 28 homers and 90 RBIs between the, the Diamondbacks and Brewers in 2021 just kind of a you know he might get you some homers and some rbis type of dude Um, yeah i think there's a lot of players late who are veterans who are kind of boring who can give you really good value jonathan scope uh gene segura who had a nice year last year good batting average yeah uh colton wong is another one like guys that can make an impact across multiple categories and they may not thrive in any particular one uh, or really stand out. But these are the kind of guys that can win you leagues. And, um, and, yeah. Enrique Hernandez too. I mean, yeah. I, got off to, I, have, to, yeah. I have him at 25th. So he just made mine, but I, I like him too, especially hitting lead off for Exactly. Uh, yeah. Got off to a slow start last year, his first year with Boston, but turned it on in the second half. He hit the 20 homer mark on the second to last day of the regular season too. Um, he's never been very effective from like a batting average or on base percentage standpoint. So it was kind of weird that the Red Sox stuck with him at leadoff over the long haul in 2021. But if that happens again, I mean, they haven't changed their manager um, where he's getting a lot of run at leadoff. He could be quite productive with some power of his own hit in front of Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts, JD Martinez, Alex Verdugo, Bobby Dahlbeck, a decent option for, again, like a middle infield roster spot in deeper formats. I had Josh Rojas 24th. Hmm. Uh, He's been on annual sleeper list for a while now. It, It hasn't fully come together for him yet, but, he did get a lot of playing time on a bad Diamondbacks team last year and, and probably will get everyday looks again in 2022. His numbers from the upper minors are just insane. In, in 2019, between the AA and AAA affiliates of the Astros and Diamondbacks, Rojas slashed 332, 418 OBP, 606 slug with 23 home runs and 33 stolen bases in 105 games. So there's intriguing tools there. Yep. Um, we'll see if maybe he pops this year for, for Arizona. Gavin Lux, I, I had 25th. Yeah. I, I don't know. Just can't quit him. Um, <laughs> then he took pretty well to the outfield 
last year is encouraging. Yeah. Maybe he proves to be like an option in a rotation for the Dodgers at DH. He's going to do something well offensively at, at some point in his career, yeah. right? He has some interesting speed and and shown some a little bit of pop too. Uh, concerned a bit about the playing time with Lux. For me, he's mostly wait and see. Yeah. Some of that might be pending what else the Dodgers might do. You know, once the lockout lifts, uh, Vidal Brujan with the Rays. He's not second base eligible, but I think that's maybe the most likely spot he'll yeah. play is second base. Um, so he's certainly someone to keep an eye on. His speed could win you some leagues if and when uh, he gets some playing time. Nick Madrigal is kind of interesting too. Uh, was traded to the Cubs in the uh, Craig Kimbrell mm-hmm. uh, trade last year. Uh, had the hamstring tear. Uh, needed surgery for that last summer, but lots of batting average potential has some speed too. I think he'll play. I have every reason to expect him to, to be a regular for the Cubs, at least assuming he's healthy. So I'll be interested to see what he can do, but I'm just not sure about the category ability. Luis Arias is kind of the same way with the, yeah, with the better team. real life player than fantasy guy. Yeah. I'm just not sure what those guys can do uh, category wise. Rugnado door, man. Sleep potential. <laughs> like th- regular- I, that could happen. Yeah. He could hit 30 homers and steal 10 plus bases for the sir. Orioles. Yeah. He might yeah. actually like play 150 something games. Abraham Toro had some nice spurts in Seattle following that controversial Kendall Graveman trade. Andres Jimenez, 11 yeah. for 11 in stolen base attempts last year, only got in 68 major league games. Remember, they demoted him to the minors for a while, and he hit well at AAA Columbus. I haven't given up on him. Yeah. Garrett Hampson, uh, not much of a hitter. Great speed, though, and yeah. perhaps growing at bats in Colorado. Adam Frazier, we mentioned him earlier, dreadful second half with the Padres, but maybe gets new life with the Mariners. David Fletcher, kind of similar to Luis Arias, like maybe gets looks at leadoff for the Angels sometimes, so could be a DFS target on some nights, but you know, just a severe lack of counting stats. Robinson Cano. What do we think about him? Let's finish it off with Robinson Cano. (laughs) Well, I mean, the last time he played, he was good. Yep. He was, and the DH is coming to the National League. How old is he? 39, I think. Wow. I don't know. I think he could be – I I honestly have no idea. The Mets could release him in spring training or something. Like, I could see him being gone quickly or be really good and be like a lineup staple. It could go any number of directions for Cano, but I think he's someone worth keeping an eye on. Uh, You know, once spring training opens up, we get a look at him in in games and – See if the game is sped up on him a little bit. Yeah, if he's uh, like their their regular DH against right-handers, like there's definitely you could see him having one last big, you know, power year. I could see it. So yeah, I mean, he's I don't know what his ADP is right now. I haven't even really looked at it, but uh, he's been a name that that jumped in my mind as we were talking here about some of these late options you could think about. I think I'm all out of players to discuss i guess we could keep going on but uh, let's not okay (laughs) but no i mean i I think we're kind of getting into it i mean second base is really deep yeah a lot of really good options for for middle infielders like we said a lot of these guys are multi-position eligible you could use some of them in the outfield corner infield position so uh lots of interesting players in this group so again next week colin and chris will do shortstop and we'll be back for third base. We're already kind of getting into that a little bit. Uh, that's pretty shallow. Uh, so that should be an interesting discussion as well. Uh, we should congratulate uh, Pitcher List for winning uh, Best Podcast. We were a finalist for that. Um, if, if Nick and Alex weren't like the best dudes, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be more upset. No, no. it's It was awesome to be in that group. I love all the shows that yeah. were finalists, to be honest with you. So... Uh, it was really nice to even be in that in that group with them. We we love those guys, so we should have we should get them on at some point and do a a group show maybe totally. before the season. That'd be totally. cool. Uh, so if you like what you're hearing with this show, circling the bases, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silve. Be safe out there, everyone. We will see you next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh... 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.